Well, good morning, everybody. It's really good to see you uh, this morning. And as we continue to worship uh, the Lord today through um, the reading of the scriptures, I would invite you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where we'll be today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, the past couple weeks, I was thinking, you know, after a decade of ministry, if I could preach one more sermon at Redemption Church in Augusta, what would it be? Like, how would I go about doing this? Because I'm going to cry, and I'll probably laugh, and I guarantee you, this is no shock, I'll probably say something silly, put my foot in my mouth. Um, so I was thinking, you know, I could come up here and preach a fire and brimstone, yelling kind of sermon, or maybe come up here and uh, recite some Beastie Boys lyrics and drop the mic. I've searched high and low for a ring so I could be like Bilbo Baggins, make a speech and just disappear. <laughs> um, but then I thought, you know, probably a, a best situation would be just to preach the gospel and recount some of God's faithfulness over the past decade. That's probably a, a better plan, right? So First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, let me pray and, uh, and we'll look at this text together. Father God, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I do thank you uh, for your grace and your faithfulness to your people throughout all generations. God, I thank you for the great joy and privilege it is to be uh, your children uh, gathered together in a community of faith represented here in Augusta at Redemption Church. Uh, God, I thank you for uh, who you've called us and gathered us to be as your children. Uh, thank you for the ways you have worked in us and through us for many years and the ways that you have promised through your word that you would continue to work in us and through us uh, throughout our lives. Uh, God, I thank you for the great privilege it is uh, to have served here for so many years. And Lord, I pray that this morning would be uh, an encouragement to um, all of us here of how you are continually at work here. Lord, I pray your blessings upon this church the families and friends represented here. God, I pray that you would do amazing things in the coming years uh, through Redemption Church here in Augusta, Georgia, and even out to the nations. Uh, so God, I pray that you would use this time for your glory and our joy, and that the gospel of Christ would advance from our lives. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verses 12-24. We ask you, brothers... To respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. This is God's word for us. Friends, holiness is a work of God in our lives, affecting our spirit, our soul, and our body. 
And the peace of God and the faithfulness of Christ causes us to live a life of holiness, a sanctified life, blameless. And this is good news for us. Today is a milestone for me personally and for my family and for this church. It's my final Sunday preaching here as a teaching pastor on staff, and uh, hopefully we'll be back to visit and uh, not be strangers by any means. But over the past couple months, I've uh, spent a lot of time reflecting on what God has done in my life personally. And many of you guys know I was able to uh, take a three-month sabbatical, which was a huge gift for me and my family. And during that time, just reflecting on what God has done in my life personally and in the life of my, my marriage and my family and the life of this church and just kind of seeing, you know, reflecting back on that, seeing what God has done and then and kind of assessing where we were going. And the greatest theme I see time and time again is that God is faithful. And his faithfulness produces holiness in our lives. God is faithful, and his faithfulness produces holiness in our lives. If you read the Bible, you see from Genesis to Revelation, it's a story of God's faithfulness. Time and time again, from the very first chapter when God creates everything out of nothing, first man, first woman, they break the relationship with God, but God is faithful to them. Time and time again throughout Genesis, we see this. God even gathers together a nation of people in the book of Exodus as he sets them free from bondage, leading into a land of promise so they could thrive as his people, as his children, as his kingdom on earth. They continually sin and break the covenant with the Lord, and they chase other gods and other idols and other cultural things, neglecting what God had called them to do, but God remained faithful to them. We see that God remains faithful Throughout Old Testament stories, through the stories of, of the prophets and different leaders and the kings, that, that God was faithful to them. In the New Testament, God is faithful to his disciples who he sends out as apostles, even though many of them had denied Jesus at some point. In fact, before Jesus was crucified, they had all scattered, but then God and his faithfulness redeems them and sends them out to preach the gospel and plant churches. All of the New Testament churches we see struggled with idolatry and sin and brokenness, and God was faithful. If you look in the story of your family of origin or the lineage in which you come from and maybe the area where you've grown, maybe the traditions and spiritual faith practices you've grown through, maybe the denomination you grew up in, you've seen that there have been times of brokenness and failure, but God remains faithful. God has remained so faithful to uh, me and my wife over, you know, 11 and a half years of marriage and four kids. <laughs> we see that God has been very faithful in the life of this church over a decade now. God has done amazing things. This church began as an idea of two seminary students in an Irish pub in New Orleans, Louisiana. <laughs> and God was faithful through that. Turned into a year-long weekly meeting of prayer and then meeting in the children's living room. Afterwards, a gathering of people met in six different locations before landing here at the Doris building. So God's been faithful through that. 
different seasons and styles as the church has had an ebb and flow. God has been faithful time and time again. We've seen new believers come to faith. We've seen people be baptized, including my oldest daughter here at Redemption Church. We've seen folks get married. We've seen folks have children. We've even experienced suffering the loss of of loved ones through death by members of this church. We've seen new leaders rise, new leaders step up with missional communities, new leaders serving in behind-the-scenes area and in front-of-the-scenes area. We've seen ministries begin and connections in Uganda that weren't here, that we didn't have 10 years ago. God has been so faithful. And often, we forget to focus on the faithfulness of God because we're trying to figure out what holy living looks like in our life. Sometimes we think, if I want to live a holy life, I have to do X, Y, and Z, and that will produce, I can conjure up holiness in my life. And we forget that it's really God's faithfulness that produces holiness. Sometimes we can say, well, let's recount all of these wonderful things that we've done, and we're going to become a holy church or a holy people or have a holy marriage or a holy family because we're going to do X, Y, and Z, and that means we're going to be holy. We're going to live holy. And we forget that that holiness comes from God's faithfulness to us. In fact, if you look at this passage of Scripture today, what we're going to unpack here this morning is you look at some very specific instruction from the the Apostle Paul in verses 12 through 22. He says some very specific commands. He says, love leaders, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, be patient, help the weak, do good, rejoice, pray without ceasing, give thanks. These are things that you are to do. Do these things. And we can look at that list and say, well, I've done this. Check, I'm going to do that. Check, I'm working on that. Check, if I do this 10-step list, then I will be holy. And friends, when we do that, we miss the gospel. Before we can go through that list of verses 12 through 22, we need to look at verse 23 and 24. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. That's the gospel. That's good news. May the God of peace himself sanctify you. The word sanctify means to to be holy, to be identified as holy, to be set apart for God's purposes. And sometimes we equate the effects of holiness as holiness itself. We think, well, if I'm holy, I have to do X, Y, and Z, which is, which is true. There are effects and evidence of holiness in your life, but that evidence only comes out of the fact that the God of peace himself has sanctified you. Who, he is faithful and he is Sanctifying. We looked at Ephesians in the, um, one of the readings earlier that, that God has, has determined to set apart a people, has called apart his people, and identified them to be holy. See, God has made a promise to make his people holy. And the evidence of that holiness comes out in our obedience. obedience. We can't get the cart before the horse. We can't say, well, if you want to live a holy life, do this, do that, don't do that. 
And, and oftentimes, we find ourselves doing that. Sometimes we could say, you know what? If I just don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss, maybe I'll be holy. And the whole time we forget that it's God's work in us, that the God of peace himself is sanctifying you, is, is setting you apart as holy completely, that your whole spirit and whole soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So friends, I want us to think about a few things this morning, and I'm going to go with this premise because I want us to just say, well, well, great, God is a God of peace. God is faithful. God uh, calls us to be holy. He sanctifies us. It's his work. Now what? Because I want us to know that truth. I just want us to let that truth absorb in us. But then I want to see the connection that makes into the, the commandments, the instruction, the, the how we are to live. So, so we know God is faithful. We know that God is a God of peace. We know that God himself sanctifies us. So, so what does that mean for us? And here's what I want us to take away. The instruction, the, the command for us to obey, to do these things, is the means by which displays his faithfulness and the means by which he grows us in holiness. Are you with me? It's, we don't obey so that we become holy we, we don't obey so that we can maybe receive grace from God. No, we obey because God has made us holy. We obey because God is faithful. We obey because we have received grace. There's a difference. But our obedience to the commandments is the means by which God displays his faithfulness in your life and through your life to others. It's the means by which he grows us in holiness. And so I want us to look at these very quickly, and I want you to think about how these play out in your life. The first thing he says is this in verse 12. He goes, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. So Paul first says, look, love the leaders that you have in your midst. God has placed imperfect men and imperfect women to serve in various capacities in this church and in every church. There are imperfect leaders that are out there, and sometimes they will drop the ball. Sometimes they will maybe say something that they didn't mean to say or it comes out wrong. Maybe they sometimes make a decision that maybe wasn't the one you had hoped for. Maybe they sometimes are late to an appointment, or sometimes they forget to call you back, or sometimes they maybe do not serve in the way you had hoped. They are imperfect, but God's word says, respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. You see, God has placed different people in different areas to serve as a means by which to display his faithfulness. See, God can be very faithful through the broken leaders in your midst. God has been very faithful to this church through poor decisions or maybe oversights and, and undersights and <laughs> hindsightedness and blindsidedness and some things along over the past 10 years that maybe we should have made a different decision, but we made this one and we were doing the best we could. But in God's grace, God has remained faithful. God has remained faithful. And so friends, I want to encourage you for this next season at this church that you would love the leaders God has placed in the midst, whether it's the, the uh, staff pastors and elders who are here or the deacons or the volunteers, those who are laboring um, in various capacities, love 
them and look for God's grace in them and through them because as you obey God by loving those leaders, you will see God display his faithfulness and you will see God grow them in holiness and God will grow you in holiness at the same time. It's very good. Second, Paul says this, admonish, admonish the idol. He says, we urge you brothers to admonish the idol. Uh, the word idol could mean those who were disorderly or undisciplined. It could be people who were young in the faith, those who were stagnant in their faith, those who were cynical, skeptical, burned out. There's probably a few of us like that here. <laughs> we go through seasons of the faith where we're like, maybe you're at a very, you just feel like you're not growing in your faith. Maybe you feel like you're very cynical and skeptical and just moody. That's okay. Because God can be faithful in that. And so as God's word says the, the instruction is to admonish the idol. We do that because we trust that God is faithful and God will grow them in holiness as you admonish and God will grow you in holiness and you will see God's faithfulness as you obey. Admonish the idol. Encourage the faint-hearted. Another instruction. Encourage the faint-hearted. Those who are discouraged, depressed, oppressed, those who are seekers, doubters, those who are like, just not really engaging in the faith, encourage them. Encourage the faint-hearted. I, I read something on a friend of mine's Facebook uh, yesterday that just broke my heart. Many of you guys know that the, um, it's Pride Weekend here, and so uh, there was a, a gay pride parade uh, here yesterday, and somebody, um, a gay friend that I know, put on his Facebook that how somebody was a very antagonistic, you know, obviously not agreeing with what was going on, and, and was saying things, very much voicing his disagreement with that lifestyle. And uh, my friend put on Facebook, I, I won't remember what you said to me, but I'll remember how you treated me. That broke my heart. I, I don't know where this man is in his faith, but it broke my heart that he may be a seeker, he may be a doubter, he may be discouraged, depressed, oppressed. His lifestyle may not match up with what we think Christian lifestyle should be because he's not a Christian. But God's word says encourage the faint-hearted. I want to encourage that man. I want to encourage him. Scripture says to be patient. Be patient means enduring, being forbearing. It means uh, being forbearing with those who are relationally difficult those who maybe are slow to believe, maybe those who are slow to obey. If you've been a Christian for any length of time and had uh, relationships in any kind of ministry, there comes a point where you're like, sometimes you just want to grab somebody and just say, would you stop sinning already? Would you just believe this? Would you just stop, you know, struggling with this doubt? Would you just get, get it together already? But scripture says, be patient. Why? Because God's a God of patience. And if you want to see God's faithfulness at work and you want to see God grow you in holiness, you're going to be patient. And if you want to see God grow someone else in holiness, you, you're going to be patient with them as God works out his faithfulness and holiness in their lives, even though it may be at a different pace than your growth. Some of you have been believers for a very short time and you've been Christians for a very short time and you were just thriving, like taking off intellectually and theologically, and you just feel like you're like a rocket ship of fate. And maybe you meet somebody else who's been a Christian for like two decades, and you're like, well, that person's not growing as fast as me. So be patient. God is working out his faithfulness in that person's life at a different rate than he's working it out in your life. 
Be patient and God will grow you in holiness as well as that other person. Scripture says to help the weak. Helping the weak is active service. Very practical help of someone who's, who's in need. It could be spiritual weakness that you are addressing. It could be physical weakness that you're addressing. Helping the weak. It's a very uh, tangible, a very tangible, practical action to help the weak. It is not uh, just a sentimentality, but it's very practical. Scripture says to do good. I love that one. Did you know that doing good is different than just avoiding doing bad? Did you know that? Scripture says, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good. Doing good is an active thing that you have to do. You can't just say, well, I'm not doing bad. I'm just minding my own business. Well, you're still being disobedient to God's word. <laughs> Scripture says to actively do good, and I love what he says here. Always seek in everything, in all your ways, in everything you do, seek to do good to one another. That means to your brothers and sisters in Christ, those who are in your inner circle, and to everyone. You don't have a choice to say, well, I'm just going to do good to my family, do good to my friends, I'm going to do good to my fellow Christians, and do good to those who I get, but I'm not going to do good to them out there. You don't have that option. As a Christian, you have to do good to everyone. Can you imagine what would happen if Redemption Church here in Augusta, Georgia was known as not do-gooders, but like gospel doers, like those who were doing gospel things, doing gracious things very actively to those who are on the margins spiritually and physically and, and culturally, those who are like, you know, the parade going down the street yesterday. Can you imagine what would happen if those in that, that community felt like we were seeking their good? Where am I? Rejoice. Verse 16, rejoice always. I love that. Have joy, have cheerfulness in all circumstances. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. That's actually the shortest verse in the Bible. In Greek, it's one word. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing means to be constantly worshiping, to be constantly in connection with God. It means to be asking, requesting the Lord to be at work in you and through you and in work and through in and working in and working through others. Give thanks. Give thanks to God for his faithfulness. Give thanks to God for his peace, for his grace in the good and hard times. Give thanks to God for the opportunity to be instruments of his grace and recipients of grace. We can unpack a lot more because there's, a, there's so much here, but I just wanted to highlight those instructions that, that Paul says here to admonish the idle, to love your leaders, encourage the faint-hearted, be patient, help weep, do good, rejoice, pray, give thanks, all of these things. And when I look at this, friends, I think it's tragic and even destructive when that instruction is neglected. I think like we read this, and if we say, well, I'm, I refuse to obey, I'm not going to do these things, I'm not going to love my leaders, I'm not going to admonish the idol, I'm not going to encourage the faint-hearted, I'm not going to be patient, not help the weak, not do good, not rejoice, I'm not going to pray, I'm not going to give thanks. It is tragic and destructive when that is neglected. But hear this, I think it is equally tragic and equally destructive when that is done 
apart from Jesus. I think it's equally tragic and equally destructive when we attempt to do that apart from Jesus. Because if we could and if we should do it apart from Jesus, the letter of 1 Thessalonians would end right there with, do not quench, it would would end right there, just like rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. End of story. Do that and you're holy. Do that and you'll be blameless. Do that and you're a Christian. I mean, why didn't he, why didn't he just stop there? Because it would be tragic and destructive if a group of human beings got together and said, we can do this on our own because we are great. We have the strength to do these things. And that is so destructive because I think anytime you see, anytime you see Well, I'll just back up and just say it's just tragic and destructive. Which is why the Apostle Paul goes on to say this. In verse 17, when he says, Pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is not God's will for you to do these things apart from Christ Jesus. He does not say it's the will of God for you to do these things, so get to it. God through the Apostle Paul says, you are to do these things because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We have to be in Christ Jesus to do these things. If you try to do these things apart from Christ Jesus, you will fail miserably and be frustrated. You will not get to witness the faithfulness of God through your actions. You will not get to witness God's holiness in you and outside of you in the same way that you could witness God's faithfulness and holiness when you were in Christ Jesus. It's very tragic and very destructive when we attempt to do godly things apart from God, when we are motivated by pride, when we are motivated by guilt, when we are motivated by religious or cultural obligation. But that's why the Apostle Paul says, this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus And then he puts this important, important gospel statement. Now, now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So friends, I want us to think about a few things. I hadn't cried yet. Yes. I knew I was going to, so, but it's my hope and prayer that Redemption Church in Augusta, Georgia would be known as a community of faith that does these things in Christ Jesus. The South and the world does not need another church or another religious institution to do these things apart from Christ Jesus. There are some very good non-faith organizations that, that does these kind of things that are doing good work, but it's not necessarily gospel work. And so if we're going to be a church, a community of faith, there's my hope and prayer that Redemption Church would continue on this course to embody these characteristics in Christ Jesus. And I trust that that's what God has here. 
a trust that God, the God of peace himself, is sanctifying you completely. It's God's will for you in Christ Jesus, and I'm trusting that God is keeping you blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ because he's called you, and he's faithful, and he will do it. And I look forward to checking in and seeing how God is doing that here in this community of faith. I would ask that you would pray that God would do that for Redemption Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we are going. I pray that you would pray for me and my family, that God would would show his faithfulness and work out his holiness in my life as a man, as a husband, father, as a pastor, that he would work that out in the, wife of, in the life of my wife and my children, and that he would work that out in the life of the church in North Carolina, and we will be praying that God will continue to show his faithfulness and grow this church in holiness as well. Can you imagine what would happen if non-Christians knew the folks at Redemption Church were those who were so leaning in on the grace of Christ that they lived life like this, that they said, we, we love our leaders even though they are imperfect and make mistakes. We're not going to bash them, you know, because God's faithful and God is working out his holiness in them and through them. And God, you know, is admonish, we're admonishing the idol even though they're skeptical and burned out and they're kind of stagnant in their faith. We're going to continue to admonish them because not because we're trusting that we can convince them of anything, not that we're con- convinced that they can get themselves together, but we're convinced that God is faithful and he's called them. And so we're going we're gonna to keep, we're going to keep admonishing the idol because we're trusting that God and his faithfulness will, will continue to work out his holiness in them. Faint-hearted, being patient, helping the weak, actively doing good, a people of joy. <laughs> Christians should be known as, as the most joyful people, people of prayer, people of thankfulness. So friends, I just want to ask you to respond in a couple of different ways as we, as we think about this. Um, I want to ask you to reflect on God's peace, his faithfulness, his holiness. How have you seen God display his peace and faithfulness and holiness in your life? I would ask you to join me in repenting. We talk about repenting here. That means to turn from something and to turn towards someone. As Christians, we are continually repenting of sin and turning to Jesus. We're continually repenting, turning from brokenness, turning from pride, from guilt, from shame. Turn from those things and turn to Jesus, the God of peace, the faithful God who brings about holiness in our lives. And so I'd ask that you would join us in repenting, and in that repentance that we would obey this instruction in light of his faithfulness, not our own. I think God would do amazing things. The sanctified life, a life of holiness, is not about doing better and trying harder. The sanctified life is a recognition of God's faithfulness and a response to the peace and holiness he gives. And that's good news. So let me pray. Father God, thank you for this morning, Lord, a time to celebrate your goodness. God, God, I ask that you would continually be at work in our lives. God, that we would do gospel things because you have saved us, because you are faithful, because you have called us to be holy, and you are making us holy. God, I pray that we would obey because you have called us, and that in the obedience, 
we would see your faithfulness, that you would be growing us in holiness and growing others in holiness around us. God, I pray that you would do amazing things in the life of Redemption Church in Augusta, Georgia. I pray that this church uh, would thrive for many, many years. God, I pray that you would continue to raise up leaders, men and women, to serve in gospel ministry in various capacities. God, I pray that you would grow uh, missional communities to replicate and to scatter throughout this city and the neighboring suburbs and over the river. Uh, God, I pray that you would plant a church out of redemption here uh, in the United States. God, I pray that you would plant a church out of redemption somewhere overseas. Lord, I pray uh, that the ministry of redemption and connection to our brothers and sisters in Uganda would continue to thrive through the uh, church's sojourn there and through the family ministry and Uh, God, I pray that you would continue to do amazing things to show off your faithfulness and every step of the way that you would be growing each man, woman, and child in holiness, every step of the way. God, I ask that you do these things for your glory and for the joy of your people and that the gospel of Christ would advance. We ask in his holy name. Amen. Uh, We're going to have a few ways to respond as we do every Sunday at Redemption. You see before you uh, communion service, it's a time for us to uh, remember who Jesus is and what he's done for us. It's a way for us to uh, worship God in that way and also proclaim the gospel over one another. Uh, So we would invite you to come down these uh, two center-ish aisles. And if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you can tear off the bread and dip it in the wine or the juice. The bread represents the body of Christ that was broken for you, and the wine and juice represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for forgiveness of sin. So if you're a believer, we invite you to come and partake in that way. If you're not a believer, we would ask that you uh, just sit where you are. Um, No one's looking around. We just would invite you to maybe uh, think about uh, what you've heard today about the gospel. Uh, We would love to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus. And so uh, there'll be uh, folks in the back. Usually we have folks with with orange lanyards who can pray with you. If you want to discuss anything, we'd love to do that for you uh, as well. Um, So let me pray for this time. God, we give you this time. Pray that you would stir our hearts and minds toward you uh, during this time of response. God, we ask in Christ's holy name. Amen.